This episode of the Trek Geeks Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks, and you'll find over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Wow, it really feels like forever since we've done this. And in a way, I suppose it has. But we're back on the East Coast. And this is episode 28 of the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. And we are back, and some might say we've survived our trip to Las Vegas and the city of Trek. Um, We did come down with a little bit of the con crud afterwards. So as you know, there was no episode last week, but... This week, I am happy to introduce, as I do every episode, my co-host. You know, we discovered when we were in Vegas that the only way he could count to 21 was if he took his clothes off in the casino. His arraignment date is pending, but he's the mathematically challenged Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. Remember, you always stay in 17. (laughs) I could go somewhere with the 21 thing, but I'm just going to... You know, we're going to keep this a rated PG show. Thanks, Bill. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Good to be here. I miss Vegas. Let's go back. (laughs) We had a um, we we had an absolute blast in Vegas. There was there was not enough time in a day, and we were up early every morning and in bed late every night. Um, I don't know. Really late. Yeah, some really late, and I think some of those mini casts sounded like it. (laughs) (laughs) They were fun to do. Well, we're. We're back on Skype. We're back to annoy each other in a virtual world as opposed to having to occupy the same living space for four days. Um, I know. That was brutal. That was rough. I know. I don't know how your wife lives with you. (laughs) All right. Point number one goes to Bill Smith. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so Dan, we uh, are going to use this episode today to sort of wrap up our experiences since we were kind of under the weather for a good amount of time and coughing lungs up and, and such. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we can expect to talk about today? Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to wrap up uh, the convention uh, highlights. Uh, we'll talk about day four, and then we'll get our overall impressions of uh, of what we thought about the convention. And we thought that instead of just listening to our melodic voices all day talking about the convention, we thought it would be a good idea to bring in a special guest to get her take on the convention as well as get her take on season two of her project. Uh, we are going to talk with the very funny and talented Ashley V. Robinson, uh, who is the star of the web series uh, Red Shirt Diaries, 
She was very happy to come on um, and talk to us about the convention and her show. So I think that's going to be what we're talking about today, Bill. What about you? I think we are going to talk about that. So, uh, yes, Dan and I will be back after the break to talk about uh, our remaining day four and to wrap up our Vegas experiences. But for now, uh, please enjoy our conversation with the wonderful Ashley Robinson. As Dan and I continue to unwind and, well, recover from STLV 49, we thought it would be good to have a final Vegas wrap-up segment and thought it would be appropriate to have a special guest to discuss the con and to get her perspective. She is the co-writer, producer, and star of The Red Shirt Diaries, a parody homage web series about what it's like to be aboard the USS Enterprise as a low-ranked security officer. Playing Ensign Williams, we see what life is like on board the ship for the first 10 original series episodes through her log entries. Season two of The Red Shirt Diaries premieres in just a couple of weeks, and we can't wait to ask her about that too, Dan. She's the wonderful and talented Ashley Victoria Robinson, and we welcome her to the Trek Geeks podcast. Ashley, thanks so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, Adam, who I know is listening. (laughs) Wow, we have a listener list now. Yeah. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Hi, Adam. (laughs) we're gonna fan so we have to say hello to him (laughs) well um ashley we um we're gonna get into red shirt diaries shortly um but as bill mentioned we wanted to get your take on the convention um as listeners know this was my first vegas convention and bill has been to several um wanted to see what your overall thoughts were how many times have you gone to vegas and uh, and what did you think of this year's con well i've been to vegas twice but i've only been to the convention once this was my first year going um, and I was super excited, and the one thing that I really wanted to do was see Alexander Siddig, because I think he's beautiful and talented, and I got to see him and walk past him in the hall, and that was super cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really amazing, because I've been to a ton of conventions, but they're generally, you know, like, broader, like, Comic-Cons, you know, general nerdery, so it's so fascinating and so lovely to see all these people get together for one specific thing. And who all love it and appreciate it, but in totally different ways. Yep. And like you might fight someone if you get into a discussion about what's the best ship, but you're both happy to be there <laughs> fighting with each other. <laughs> you have kind of a um, a little bit of a different um, I don't know the word to describe it in that in that you have a series and and you're you're probably very much recognized. What is that like for you? Um, as in like with Bill and I, we're on the radio, we're on the podcast. They, they don't see us or, or just people who don't do anything special or this ju- are just there for the enjoyment. What's it like to have people come up to you and say, Oh my God, I love your show or, or this or that. Uh, well, as an actor person, that's what you want out of life. So <laughs> I get a kick out of that. I also find it slightly embarrassing with Red Shirt Diaries because there is an episode, our, our fourth episode of Naked Time, where I'm like, oh, you kind of like ostensibly saw me kind of nude once. Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, people. <laughs> everyone everyone is so nice, though. Like, nobody's weird. Like, I encounter weird, creepy people in my normal life. Um, they're never people who know about Red Shirt Diaries. They're all really lovely. One guy told me that his nine-year-old daughter watched the show and then asked me to sing happy birthday to her, and that's probably the greatest thing I've ever been asked to do by a complete stranger. <laughs> that is really cool. 
I do. Yeah. I, I deal with weird, creepy people every time I podcast, so I know exactly what you're talking about, Ashley. Thank you. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> As you can tell, we have a great relationship, Ashley. I know. <laughs> well, I listen to the show, so. What's um? Did you have any particular panels this year at the con that stood out to you? I know there was the Voyager 20. There were a few other ones. Are you a panel person, or or how does that work out for you when you go to a con? I'm a panel person after the first three hours. <laughs> you know, like I, I get there and I want to see everything and I want to like go spend all the money I own on the floor. And and STLV has this great thing uh, compared to sort of more generic comic conventions where they had all the stuff set up in the hallway that you could take pictures with. Yeah. Uh, like they had the Guardian of Forever and they had all the tribbles and that was really, really fun. And you, you kind of get to run around like you're at Disneyland and it's like, oh, it's like Nerdland. This is so great. <laughs> um, I got to see Patrick Stewart's panel, which was really amazing because, I mean, not only is he such an important part of Trek lore, but he's a great actor that as a performer, you kind of aspire to, you know, be on that level. Um, I liked the Voyager panel. They were funnier than I thought they were going to be. Like, yeah. not that I didn't think they'd be funny, but when they all got up and did the river dance and um, Garrett Wong told all these funny stories about them kind of screwing around on set and pulling back the curtain like that, I think is really interesting because as fans, we've all watched the episodes and we've watched the commentary. So to see these people that we admire be human is really, I think, the most enjoyable part. But my favorite panel was I'm a I'm a Deep Space Nine person. That is, yes. That's where my love lies. So the uh, the Cardassian plus Lita and Julian panel um, <laughs> was was probably probably my favorite panel that I attended personally. Yeah. Uh, and Andrew Robinson is just like the most amazingly talented actor. He's he so really incredible. Is. Isn't he awesome? He talking to him when we had the honor of having him on the show was yeah. probably one of the highlights so far. He's just so great. I unfortunately did we didn't get a chance to talk to him at the at the convention because he was so busy and running around so much. But yeah, he was he was great to listen to. Um did you get a chance to see the rat pack? I didn't. We left at about three o'clock on Sunday because we had to get back and work and we drove. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we still got stuck in a uh, traffic jam where we went about two miles in five hours. So, wow. so I missed it for sh- for nothing, yeah. basically. I really want to go though because I hear the Rat Pack's amazing. I was, it was. Go ahead, Dave. go ahead, Bill. No, no, after you, sir. I say I think I was surprised <laughs> at how um, how Max just throws these things together, and he gets <laughs> just about everybody. You know that's available to do things with him, whether it's it's Rat Pack or whether it's getting Aaron Eisenberg to to dress up as Nog, and they do a little skit at the cons, or and and everybody loved the Rat Pack was great. I had never seen it before, and I, I know they're going to be doing it at most of the 50th anniversary conventions across the country, including Vegas next year. So I think you'll get your shot. Oh, I'm so looking forward to next year. Like I think it's going to be really crazy. Oh yeah. gosh, yeah, yeah. I mean we've. We've been, uh, it's only been a week out and we're already talking about plans and what we're going to do and this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be wacky. I know I've had the thought, like, do I book the hotel room now and maybe get a deal or do I wait? I, uh, I booked it. I'm not a big fan of the Rio. Sorry, Rio. Um, but <laughs> I decided to reserve the room anyway. And from what I understand, their initial deal for, you know, the, for creation attendees has already sold out. Curse words. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> you say whatever you okay. want. I'll bleep you if it comes to it. But um, I won't make you do that. <laughs> Editing's hard. Well, that or I'll just do it. <laughs> that or I'll just tag it. I'm fine with that too. Um, but yeah, I was surprised. I, you know, we stayed at the Flamingo this year partly because I saved 300 bucks. 
Yeah, didn't you guys stay on like the top floor? Yeah. Somewhere super fancy? Yep. Uh, well, I'm not super fancy. I mean, well, it's super fancy in the fact that Bill was in the room with me. But other than that, uh, <laughs> it was just a regular room, but it was on the 28th floor. So I tried this thing on Lifehacker. I love the, that website. And they say, you know, me too. when you're checking in, tip the, the person behind the counter 20 bucks and see if they'll do something for you, like an upgrade or whatever. So I tried it. You know, you, you fold up the 20, you hand it with your license and your credit card and say, that's for you. If there's anything mm-hmm. else you can do for me, great. If not, I understand. And I did that. A buddy of mine did it, and he got an upgrade earlier in the day. So I said, all right, I'll try it. And the guy, first thing he asked me was, do you work in the hotel industry? I'm like, no. And so he, he books <laughs> my room, and he hands it back. He goes, here, you can spend this on something else. You've got a pretty sweet room. <laughs> and we went up on the top floor. So we were, we were high atop the strip, literally. Let me uh, let me put one negative into that, Ashley. If you ever um, get the chance to select what floor you want to be on, oh, while yeah? it may be great to be on the top floor at night and see the view of the strip, it completely sucks in the morning when you are trying to get down to the bottom floor to go to your destination because you stop on every single floor <laughs> in the elevator. Yeah, I stayed on when I was in New York. Once we stayed on like the seventy fourth floor. Oh. And it's like, okay, well, if anything happens, I'm dead. So I hope this goes smoothly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I I had one other um, follow-up question that I wanted to ask you in regards to the panels um, that you saw. Um, Totally. I don't want this to sound negative in any way in what I'm going to say, but um, it might (laughs) sound that way. Um, I think that the tribute to Leonard Nimoy was a very special moment. However, as I mentioned last week during one of our mini-casts, I was actually hoping for more than what we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Creation put together really great videos and presentations in the past. And this one seemed it was a bit less than what I expected, especially given the scope of what the topic was with the passing of, of Leonard Nimoy and, and his iconic character. Did you get to see it? And did, what did you think about it? I didn't get a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, because I've heard kind of similar critiques shall we say, um, from, other, from other people who did get a chance to attend the tribute. And I'm, I'm wondering if it had something to do with the fact that they were filming part of, like Adam Nimoy was there filming his documentary. Yep. So I don't know if they're trying to, like if they have some agreement where they're trying to save the best for that oh, or... Good point. You know, I don't know, but I mean, anything is nice, I guess. Yeah, it, I mean, it, uh, don't get me wrong. It was it was very emotional. I think there were a lot of people in there that were tearing up, and um, they did a very good job. I just, I don't know if if this is going to sound wrong because it's for someone who passed away. I was I was expecting more of a bang of, about talking about this great character and and great human being and what he did in his life, and it was a little bit less than what I had thought would happen. More of a more of maybe of a eulogy than you were hoping for. Yeah, yeah, maybe. that's a great way to put it. Yep. One of the things that I totally expected to happen and it didn't was at some point everyone in the huge convention hall to stand up and and give the long, live long and prosper salute. And I was shocked that that did not happen. Yeah, they did that at WonderCon in Anaheim because that was like the weekend that he passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had a moment of silence and everyone stood and saluted. Yep. So I was kind of surprised as well that nothing like that happened, but. It's a lot of people to try to organize. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Ashley, just before we get to Redshirt Diaries, I guess I'm curious how you came into being a Star Trek fan. I mean, obviously you have to have a deep love for the franchise in order to do the kind of homage you're doing. Uh, do you recall <laughs> the first time you watched Trek? Yes, I was 12 years old, and uh, 
was living in Canada because that's where I'm from. And after school, there was a network called uh, Spike TV, the network for men. Yes. And, yes. you know, as a 12 year old girl, I was like, this is clearly the channel to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, starting at three o'clock, they would air an episode of TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, and then Enterprise. Oh, wow. And wow. yeah. And, and I'd never watched Star Trek before. I didn't know that much about it. But they were playing Arena, uh, the TOS episode, and that's the episode that I'd seen parodied the most and people kind of talk about the most in other media. So I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to watch this and see if this is like as bad as because everything that I'd, I'd heard about it was was kind of negative, like, oh, the suit looks stupid and blah, blah, blah. And I was really taken with it. Mm -hmm. Especially when I mean, Spock's not a big part of that episode, but Spock is my he's my favorite TOS character. And then I just kept watching it and kept watching it and kept watching it. And at the time, I was really into text RPGs, like just a bunch of people on the internet writing a giant, basically, piece of fanfic together. And so I joined one based on Star Trek and developed this character, and I didn't know much about the world. So luckily, growing up in the time of internet, um, I had access to a lot of clips and a lot of the mythology right off the bat. And so basically, over the next two years, I watched the entirety of all the shows except Enterprise. I didn't watch Enterprise until two years ago. Wow. Um, so I watched them all basically in the span of two years. And then I've been doing kind of sporadic rewatches. I'm rewatching Deep Space Nine right now as it's, a grown-up. It's funny that um, you, you bring up Arena. Uh, I think that's the episode I remember seeing first as well. I remember that I loved the Gorn. I was scared of it at the same time. And I was, I'm, this was a long time ago. Um, I I don't remember ever feeling, oh my God, that looks fake. And I know that that's just a guy in a rubber suit right yeah. i actually i tos gets a lot of crap about stuff like that and i think it's because people can't get into the headspace of the time mm -hmm. right but also if you just watch it purely to be entertained it's really like it doesn't deserve a lot of the criticism that i think it gets from non-trekkies right. trekkers or however you want to categorize yourself i think it's that, uh go ahead bill i think that you know the original series holds up as great science fiction you talked about getting in that headspace. And I think that mm -hmm. later incarnations hold up as good Star Trek because it's sort of, you know, the, the original series sort of created, you know, that genre um, or perfected that genre. And while the later series are still good science fiction, I think they're, they're out, in some cases, outstanding Star Trek and in other cases, not so much. I, I would agree. I also think that TOS is beautiful to look at strictly yes. from a design standpoint. And even like the lighting, you're like, everyone has these weird halos because it's the 1960s, but it's so <laughs> just beautiful. That's you, Dan. I, I know. I'm just, I'm, try, I'm taking it all in. I'm like, wow, this I'm, I was, I thought I glitched. No, 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 it's not you. <laughs> One of the things that I always say to anyone that we have on the show, and, and this goes for you too, even though you're not on the Star Trek shows as, as we know them, it's so great to get guests on the show to give us their own unique interpretation of the show. And what you just said, that's why I didn't have anything to say because I was processing it. I never really thought of it like that. Yeah, they do, they do have those halos and the lighting is very special. And, and uh, We I, spend I a lot of time like trying to recreate the lighting. Yes. So. <laughs> the li I'll tell you what, the lighting in the Corbinite maneuver, maneuver episode that you did was, was hilarious. Uh, I thought that was really good. That's one of that my was, favorite episodes. Uh, 
That was Jason with a china ball sitting off camera. <laughs> and then awesome. a special effects filter put over it. That, of course, The Naked Time is also one of my favorites, but we, we won't go into that one. <laughs> so I like that you, you can see me laughing the entire time. <laughs> so, Ashley, for those, listener, for those listeners who may be new to Red Shirt Diaries, can you tell us a bit how this idea came to be? Um, was it a collaboration between you and Jason from the start, or, or how, did it, how did it get off the ground? Well, I've known Jason for about two and a half years and probably four years ago, like right after I first graduated from university, uh, you know, I'd always wanted, I love Star Trek. I've always wanted to be on Star Trek and, but I was thinking a lot about new media because I'd seen a lot of web series and I was like, well, that, you know, that doesn't look that hard. I could do that. And I had this idea to do kind of a review show because I never watched the TOS episodes in order and that's something I'd always wanted to do. Then I was like, well, that seems really hard, so I won't do that. And then I met Jason, and we were kind of – Jason has his own YouTube channel. It's very successful, and you know, for his day job, he works for Screen Junkies. Like That's his world. He knows a lot more about it than I do. Right. And I was like, I kind of have this idea for a Star Trek show about like – you know, a really low-ranked ensign, and she's talking about what happens in the episode, and we would shoot it all in her quarters like a vlog, and he was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. It'll be super easy, and it's like the hardest thing and the most work I've ever put into anything. Because <laughs> I, you know, I was like, yeah, we'll just shoot it in two weeks, and um, we'll just call our friends, and we wound up shooting it. That was in December, and then we shot it in April, and um, so we've, and we, we didn't stop because... In week 10, when we released our 10th episode, Corbin Might Maneuver was when we launched our Indiegogo, and then we developed season two, and now we're still editing season two. That actually brings up a question. Um, did you do them all at once, uh, or did you spread them out? And about how long did it take to do each one, each episode? So we shot the first 10 over two day, over Saturday and a Sunday. Okay. Um, each episode averages about three minutes long and they took us between an hour and a half to two hours to shoot. There was some, um, like Miri took us 45 minutes. (laughs) Like some, we were just a lot quicker on, there was less going on. There were less people. I knew the lines better, you know, but then some like, uh, during Charlie X, I ruined all the lighting. (laughs) Uh, I hit it and it all fell down. So we had to put it back together. Oh no. (laughs) So that took a lot. That took like two and a half hours. Um, and then for season two, our episodes are averaging about four minutes. Some of them are going to be up to five. Okay. We have a guest, at least one guest star in every episode. We have a new set. Uh, we have more special effects. We have more props. So we shot, we shot one episode in December because we went to Oklahoma to shoot on Starbase Studios, the 360 bridge set out there. Yep. yep. Um, and then we shot 18 episodes in 48 hours. Wow. Not concurrently, but four chunks of 12 hours over four four weekend four days two weekends uh and then we shot our final episode a month after that uh out at vasquez rock which is arena rock yes because it was really important to me that we uh that we go there and actually film on location it was just super cool that's awesome so season two is now fast approaching then with a premiere date set for september 14th I know. No pressure. I'm really scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned your Indiegogo. It was a very successful fundraiser. I think you brought in almost double your goal. 
Almost if, double, which is still, uh, turns out, is never enough money. Yeah, no, I can imagine, especially when you're, you know, doing on location shoots at Vasquez and all those other things. Maybe Bobby Clark came out and said hi while you were out there, because I hear he does that. I uh, freaking wish. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Uh, apparently, he, he lives not far from Vasquez Rocks and, and occasionally goes out and just talks to people who are out there and says, yeah, I was the Gorn. Oh, man, I got to go back more often. <laughs> so it's only like it, half an hour drive for where I am right now. Oh, that's, not oh bad. that's pretty cool. I've driven by there once when I was out in California and, and wanted to stop there just because of Arena. This is going to be the stupidest question you've probably ever heard, but is it safe to say that the episode that you're going to be at Vasquez Rocks is going to be Arena? Totally. Thank you. <laughs> just wanted to make sure. So you know, we know we've got Arena... You know, we've got a couple other things. What else can you tell us about season two and some of the episodes you'll be taking on? Uh, well, we go in order. So we go from Menagerie part one and then our season finale is Amok Time. Nice. Mm. Uh, because we reached a stretch goal. So we're like, we'll just do 20 episodes instead <laughs> of 19. <laughs> that won't be hard at all. <laughs> nah, not at all. Um, and, sorry? Not at all. No, 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 no. Um, and and it, sh- it's, it should be said that Jason does the lion's share of the work. So, like, I can complain all I want, but my job's mostly finished. <laughs> <laughs> I just do a lot of the promo stuff now. But, you know, once the cameras stop rolling, um, he edits it. And then uh, Brian Jaggers and Alex Wickard are other two editors that we have this season. So, you know, that's kinda, he's, he's the one working on it. <laughs> that's kind of awesome. You and I are very similar. And that I sit here on the podcast and talk to all these awesome people like yourself. And then when we're done, I make Bill do all the editing work. Yeah. Uh, you, he, that's, that's networking, folks. Abuse <laughs> your friend's talents. Well, he makes me, but it's only because he's incapable. <laughs> I am also incapable. So <laughs> I could edit an iMovie and it wouldn't look very good. <laughs> um, I have watched the teaser trailer for season two multiple times. Um, and one of the things that I, I loved about it was that we saw our good friend Cat Roberts from Star Trek Continues uh, yes. in the teaser trailer. Uh, and when looking at her uh, in the teaser with her hair and makeup, <laughs> I'm thinking it's safe to assume that she's going to be playing, as Ensign Williams calls her, Yeoman Randy. She is uh, my nemesis. Yes. <laughs> I love um, it. Other than her, you mentioned that there are going to be hopefully guests in every episode. Can you uh, drop any names here as a Trek Geeks exclusive as who you might, who else you might have on? Uh, I can give you, I can tell you other people and I'll give you an exclusive share. Um, We have, like I said, Jason works for Screen Junkies. So we have some people from Screen Junkies. We have uh, Hal Rudnick who hosts the Screen Junkies show. He plays our Trelane in the clip that we just released. Yep. And we have uh, Nick Mundy who is also on Screen Junkies and he's he appears on Conan a lot. He was in their George R.R. R. Martin sketch from Comic-Con. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, he plays Scotty's like first in, you know, like his, his kind of like number one guy for mm-hmm. the episodes that we don't have Scotty in. Um, and he takes a lot of things from my quarters. <laughs> Um, who else do we have? Oh, okay. Uh, we have Larry Nemechek coming in for two yeah! episodes. That's probably the closest thing to an exclusive I can give you. That's I don't think awesome. we've told anyone that. Yeah, he's um, he's our Dr. McCoy. He called me a giant traffic cone at the convention, by the way. <laughs> because you had an orange shirt on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, what a jerk. <laughs> well, to be fair... And not to disparage Dr. Trek, I actually called you a giant traffic cone, and Larry right. just and thought it was just, the funniest like, thing he'd ever right heard. right on top of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm the Thanks, jerk, guys. actually. Well, it goes without saying. 
boys, come now. I know, I know. <laughs> well, that sounds all very exciting. Um, so September fourteenth, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's like less than a month away. <laughs> so I don't want to get too far ahead of the game, but I am very confident that it's going to be just successful, if not more successful than season one. Have you guys started churning any season three stuff through your brains yet and got any ideas or you going to do another campaign maybe later down the road? Um, a lot of our thoughts about doing a season three is going to depend on how many views we get on season two. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, so no pressure, guys. <laughs> I've got like hundreds of computers at my work that all have different IP addresses that I can just bookmark stuff Please, on. please do. Because, <laughs> you know, the thing about doing um, a fan series is that you have this built-in audience, which is really great. But there's a certain point where you don't – we don't own the IP on it. Mm-hmm. So we can only take it so far. So Jason and I are kind of like, well, we could do some original stuff, maybe. <laughs> and Richard Diaries might be something that we would come back to after that eventually. Or like I said, if it's wildly successful, then <laughs> we'd be stupid not to keep going. But right. it would be cool because we'd be into season two. And I think that like season one and season three of TOS have some really great episodes like Corbomite Maneuver. Yep. Um, but season two, I think, is where the most gold lies. Yes. Uh, so there could be some cool stuff there. But I, I think the main thing is that after it's edited to take a week off is about as far as we've looked ahead. <laughs> I need you to promise me one thing, though, Ashley, is if you do a season three, you've got to make sure that you do a Spock's Brain episode. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you write it. I will, I'll get right on that. It, okay. oh, I got some good ideas. I will send you some stuff over. Oh, and see, Please he, do. Here, I was going to lobby for Dan to be Harry Mudd. <laughs> Which I think is a fab- Harry yeah, I think is a fabulous idea. Wow, I don't know about that. Didn't you? Can, yeah, you, those- do, can you do the accent? No, I can't do. I've never been able to do Harry Mud. No, <laughs> his pseudo Irish. No, I know, right? Yeah. I uh, I think you could do it, Dan. I think it just uh, if you focused your efforts and did a little maybe studying, I, I think you could nail this. All right, let's just, see if I just get- hire a dialect coach. No big deal. Yeah, Let me yeah, see if exactly. I can get this one right. Let me try one, Bill. <clears throat> Shut up. <laughs> How's that? That was okay? That, uh, Nailed it. Yeah, that's that was great, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> well, Ashley, we thank you so much for having come on today. We uh we can't wait for season two. We're going to uh you know be watching every week and every episode and we'll be telling everybody that listens to Trek Geeks to listen to because we you know I'm not gonna lie, we want season three. Um, but we can't Start thank the campaign you en- now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and best of luck with season two. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ashley. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to listeners of the Trek Geeks podcast. So you can check out their service. You can select your free audiobook from over 150,000 titles in Audible's library. And if you're interested in Star Trek titles, you might even check out one of these currently available on Audible.com. Imzadi, Spectre, The Return, Sarek, and my favorite, The Eugenics Wars, The Rise and Fall of Khan Noonien Singh. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks for your free audiobook. And we would like to thank Audible.com for sponsoring our episode.
Yeah, Dan, it was so great to meet Ashley. And granted, we only got to spend a, a brief amount of time with her before she headed back to L.A. But um, between her and uh, and and Adam and Jason, we uh, it was they were great people to to chat with, even if briefly. And I'm really looking forward to season two of uh, the Redshirt Diaries. Yes, I am as well. It was it was funny. We played Twitter tag all weekend, uh, yeah. Ashley and I, and trying to make uh, make it work so that we actually were going to have her come on one of our morning uh, reviews. Well, we were in Vegas, um, but it didn't just, it didn't pan out right, which is okay. Uh, but we did get to meet her on Sunday and, uh, it was it, like you said, it was great to meet her and it, she's such a bundle of energy and, and always seems so, uh, so positive. And, and her show is, is funny. If you haven't checked it out, go check it out on the red shot, the red shirt diaries.com. Cause it's, uh, it's some fun stuff. It really is in season two dropping, I believe September 14th. Is that right? Do I have that that right? is correct. A little early birthday present for me. <laughs> That's right. We talked yeah. about that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, although it, it, I'm, this makes it really hard for me to avoid your birthday now. But uh, hey, good on you, mate. <laughs> you know what you can do is send me the link and that can be your birthday present to me. That's probably more than I want to spend. <laughs> <Cheater>. <laughs> so, Dan, um, as we move forward here, let's recount sort of our last um experiences at the convention and the things that stood out to us the most obviously we didn't get to do a day four mini cast while we were there based partly on schedules and when we finally dragged ourselves to bed <laughs> yeah and dragged ourselves out of bed uh, earlier than we were supposed to thanks to me yeah twice yeah <laughs> <laughs> twice yeah <laughs> so no wait let's tell this story for a second oh why did i bring it up so we had a late dinner at margaritaville and uh, we were with another friend of ours, and we get back to the room, we start packing, and you know it's like, well, I set my alarm, because we figured we might be able to get four and a half hours worth of sleep before we have to get up and head off to McCarran Airport to catch our flight home. And I asked you to set a backup alarm just in case, because I didn't want to wake up late. I was happy to do. Which you were happy to do, but you set it on your iPad, which you didn't sync the time for, so it right. was still on never, East Coast I'd... time. I never actually uh, um, hooked up to the internet with my iPad, so the clock remained on Eastern Coast, Eastern Standard Time, East Coast Time, the wrong time, I guess is the best way to say it. So uh, set the alarm, and actually when I was setting it, we were talking, I'm like, okay, this is actually three hours ahead, so I have to set it for 7.30 instead of 4.30, because we were getting up at 4.30, or 4.45, something like that. So I'm like, okay, and I'm, I know that I have to change it to seven, and we're talking, and you distracted me or something, so really it's oh, your it's fault. Oh, it's my fault, yeah. <laughs> and I set it unknowingly at the time to 4.45. So we go to bed. 4.45. Eastern. The alarm goes off. I'm like, oh, my God, it feels like we just went to bed. So I get up, and I run into the bathroom, brush my teeth, and I'm, and while I'm brushing my teeth, you know when you just are so tired you can barely even function? Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. <clears throat> and I'm sure that you're going to talk about how it felt like that to you. Uh, yes, when in fact you set the alarm for 4.45 Eastern time. Yes, yes. So we got up at 1.45. Yeah. After we had just gotten to bed at like midnight. 12.30. Yeah, 12.30. 12, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So uh, So that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and and i sound i probably sounded like a little church mouse when i was like uh bill because i'm i'm getting dressed you're in the you're in the bathroom and i'm getting dressed and i'm looking at the clock at the hotel and it says 147 
And I'm like, what is going on? Why does that say that? Because I know it was the right time last time I looked at it earlier in the day. And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So I go over to my phone across the room, which I probably should have set as the alarm anyway. And sure enough, it's 147. So I got my little church mouse voice out. And I said, Bill, it's only 147. I can't repeat what you said uh, (laughs) from the the facilities, uh, but it put me in my place. It's a... it, we can't do it only because it would be about a 30-second stream of bleep. <laughs> <laughs> but the good part is we got three more hours after that, and that was probably the best three hours of sleep out of the whole trip. Wasn't it, buddy? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so that aside, that really kind of signified the end of our trip. We had a, a lot of fun even with that being factored into it. What were some of the moments that stood out to you now that you've got your first Vegas con under your belt? For the whole trip or just day four? Um, yes. Okay. Um, well, one of the, one of the highlights for me was, um, on Sunday, I had a couple autograph sessions scheduled. Um, I went through the list of what I wanted, of who I wanted to get pictures with. And, uh, uh, I'm sorry, not autograph section, uh, sessions, pit, picture sessions. So I decided to go with Guldicott himself, Marco Limo, and, uh, Leggett Demar, Casey Biggs. So I was very excited. Both of them were going to be on Sunday. Really looking forward to it. Uh, Marks was the first one. So I was really happy. I get in line and we're standing in line and Jeffrey Combs walks in and he's talking to the crowd and he has his picture sec- session and he's having a great time. Got to meet Mark. Uh, such a nice guy. And of course, the unfortunate thing about with these pictures from the, from the convention is that you really only get to be with a person for literally three or four seconds. Right. I mean, you walk in. You put your arm around the guy or girl and snap, and then you're done. So I did get to say how much I appreciated what he did on the show, and it was great to meet him. Then I was looking forward to Casey, which was an hour later. So I get back to the line for the for the pictures, and the lady says, who, who are you here to for the picture with? And I said, Casey. And she goes, oh, they rescheduled him. He was earlier this morning. I was not a happy camper. No. I was very disappointed. You were definitely the, not happy. The problem is, and I don't want to, I don't want to be negative to creation because they do a good job, but I got to say, notifying people of changes like that, that it sucked. There was no notification anywhere that I ever saw on any board, on anything outside of the photo session area, but they talked about how they had, had announced it on Friday or something like that. If that's all they did was announce it on Friday, then how the hell is everybody supposed to know that? I'm sure they assumed that if they put it on the screens in the convention hall, everybody would see it at some point. But it's entirely possible to miss it if it's not up there the entire day. Exactly. You know, or if they announce it once or a few times. Because with so many panels, I mean, they know people are going to check out and go do different stuff during some of the panels. I mean, that just happens. For me, I tend to not be as big a panel person. So I check Mm -hmm. out of most of the panels so that I can go do other things. Right. So. Right. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't being overly vocal about it. I did tell the lady I was disappointed that there wasn't a better um, notification process. Well, there was another guy who was there also who didn't know, and he was going up one side of this poor volunteer and down the other, and I felt really bad for. Her. Um, but on the positive, they did say they tried to track down Mark uh, Casey to see if he was still available so that he could do a couple more pictures. Unfortunately, he had already left because he had to prepare for the Rat Pack. Uh, later that evening, which we'll get into shortly. Right. Um, so the lady was very kind. Normally, I don't think creation does this, but they said, hey, go over to the table. Who is, who's ever left for today, pick out whoever you want, and you can get a photo with that person. 
So I was pretty happy. I got a whole list of people that I chose, and I chose Q himself, Mr. John Delancey, uh, who is now, as we know, offering his uh, vocal services for Star Trek Timelines. Yeah. you. Uh... So I was very happy to meet him and shake his hand and get a picture with him. And it came out great, too. Um, you didn't Thank detract you. from either picture with either him or Mark Alimo. So Thank you again. Good. Congratulations. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I'm surprised as everybody else. Yeah. Okay. I gotta go now. <laughs> it was that was that was great to meet them. Um, the other thing that was kind of cool is while I'm sitting in the uh, in standing in line and the for the photo uh, opportunities, they're just cast members walking in and out. Uh, Levar Burton was sitting off in a corner by himself reading, and Von Armstrong walked in, and that was kind of cool. And th- and everyone is so nice to the fans. Uh, Again, as we've always said with all the guests that we've had on, everybody's so great and so nice to work with and talk to. So it was cool. That was honestly how I had shaken hands with Mark Alimo a few years ago when I did my DS9 cast photo op. He was just sitting in the corner, you know. There was music playing. It was some great jazz, if memory serves, and he was just sort of, you know, bopping his head along. And I walked up to him and, you know, shook his hand and said thanks and all that stuff. And he he couldn't have been more engaging or, or more you know, pleasant. He was just a super yeah. nice guy. So I'm glad yeah, you had that experience. It was great. I would have loved to have sat with him and had a 20 minute conversation because he is my favorite Star Trek villain of all time. And one of my favorite, uh, deep space nine characters. Uh, and unfortunately I just got to, you know, kind of shake his hand because he had a, he had a problem with his wrist with his right hand. So he mm. couldn't shake hands, but he did, he did grab my hand with his other hand, put my arm around him, told him what a great job he did and how much I appreciated it. I had a great the picture with him came out really good. I was really really happy with it so it really did so next was there, convention i'll get them signed that's see that's what i do you know, because yeah because they have some of those photo ops so late in the day that you can't possibly get them printed before right. their autograph session so right. um i usually wind up taking a photo one year and then taking it back so like my mm-hmm. ds9 cast photo i probably got i got all but two signatures on it this year were you able to get michael dorn's <laughs> signature bill <laughs> no <laughs> That guy, I don't know why he had an autograph table in the dealer's room because he was never at the damn thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Dorn. Yes. You know, Worf is one of my favorite characters in Trek history. And that's easy because he appears in more Trek than any other actor. Right. Um, But every time, and I was in the dealer's room a lot, he was never there. And when I did see him, he was walking away from the dealer's room, usually with Marina or somebody else. Yep. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> you should. When he was over talking to Max, you should have just walked up and said, "Dorn, dude, sign this right now." Yeah. <laughs> I probably should have, and maybe next time I will. Um, so now the only two people whose uh, autograph I'm missing on my DS9 cast photo is him and Avery Brooks. So yep. hopefully Avery will be there next year. I know he's canceled on us a couple of times, Avery. Yeah. I mean, at, as conventions, not as the podcast. Right. Um, so we will see, and I will keep my fingers crossed for the fiftieth. As will I, because I want you to get that all signed. Me too, so I can finally frame the thing. Yes, absolutely. Even though I'm in it. You don't detract from it either, man. <laughs> no, I really do. Because <laughs> Terry Farrell's no, standing actually, next to you me. Know, the how only do you... thing that's detracting is Terry's upside-down com badge. Were you, would you be the person to point that out to her? No, you I'd would not. It. Because you'd be like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hi, Miss Farrell. Uh, uh, I really think you're great <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> Hello, Jetsia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I have to tell you that with everything going on at the con, probably one of my favorite moments was 
a conversation in a hallway. And it was with this older lady who was on a Segway. And I, I have to believe she was probably in her 80s. Easily, um, yes. She said exactly what age she was. I, I want to say 85, but I could have that wrong. But it was her first con, really, since the 25th anniversary one. And that would have been back in 91. Mm-hmm. And she um, loved seeing all the people. She loved seeing all the young people. Um, and especially their interest in Star Trek and how how many of them there were, just the sheer number. There were a lot of young people. And by young, I mean younger than us. Right. You yep. know, younger than the, the TOS rerun era that we are. Yep. There were people younger than the Voyager era, you know, for people, you know, that had Voyager as their first Star Trek. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of kids. There were a lot of young adults. And, you know, I hear this batted about a lot in Facebook groups. You know, how you know people worry for the future of the franchise because they just don't see the youth coming into it. And all they see are older fans. And I tell you what, unless you've been to Vegas and unless you've seen, you know, that sort of youthful influx of fans, um, you know, you, you wouldn't know it's happening. And it's beautiful. I love it. It warms my heart. And this lady summarized everything perfectly. And she was such a joy to talk to. She was. I actually missed the beginning of the conversation. I think everybody, we were doing a restroom break or something, so I missed the beginning. Everybody was kind of huddled uh, when I turned the corner. I'm like, oh, what's going on over here? And I thought it was maybe a cast member or something that you all were talking to because I couldn't see the person. But when I walked up, saw that it was just, just a fan, and like you said, this older lady, she really was sweet. I and mean, she was she didn't want to stop talking either. We we had to get somewhere, but the conversation just kept going and going, and it was a good conversation. And you're right. She appreciates uh, the fact that what we've said is that it doesn't matter what age you are. Trek is forever, and and this and seeing those young people at the convention is proof of that. We saw five-year-olds, five, six, seven. Or younger. Yeah. yeah. There were a couple yeah. of babies there. I mean, obviously, babies you know, don't, don't know of Trek yet, but... There were definitely preschool age kids in costume. You're a baby. You're a baby. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Preschool age <laughs> in kids. In costume, yes. Yeah. All kinds of kids in costume engaging mm-hmm. in cosplay, whether it was with their parents or without. Yep. You know, I saw some yep. kids wearing, you know, Starfleet style uniforms without their parents wearing any costumes. Yep. So I, I think that regardless of how they came into the tent, whether it's TOS or Voyager or even JJ Trek, I don't care. They're here. Yep. And it means, you know, a continuation of that, of, the, of this fan base. And eventually, someday, more Trek in some form as a series, hopefully. Right. Um, I think a, a mutual friend of ours said it best, and I, I won't say his name right now because I'm sure we're going to say it later on down the road in, this, in the podcast, said it best in an interview that he had is, is one of the things that I like about JJ's movies is that it's bringing in a new generation, regardless of whether you love it or hate it, which we both like and appreciate what JJ did with the movies. Sure, there are, there, there are things that we don't like about the movies, but it's, it's track in it, and I, I appreciate what he did with the reboot. It's bringing in new people, whether you like it like what he did or not, it's bringing in new people to Trek. And as a result of that, they're going to be like, like Vic said, of course it was Vic. Um, <laughs> it's, people are going to say, okay, what is this all about? And they're going to start looking back and they're going to pull up the original series and they're going to pull up continues and deep space nine and next generation. So it's just an ever, uh, flowing, uh, river, so to speak of, 
of new people coming in, getting hooked, and the family gets bigger. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. So what other parts of the convention, as you look back as a whole, kind of stand out to you? I'll talk about two more things. One of them a small comment and the other one a bigger one. Um, I thought that we, to we talked about how we don't do a lot of the panels because we got so much going on. But we did uh, pop in for a couple, one of them being Sir Patrick Stewart, who was <laughs> awesome. He was hysterical. Um, and the moment when he actually, I think he, I don't think he likes, from what I can tell, and I, I may be completely wrong, but it looks like he doesn't like to interact physically with a lot of people at the convention, whether it's a germ thing or, or he just, it's just his way. Right. But there was the elderly woman who was, sounded like she had some kind of terminal condition by how she was talking. Uh, and she the things she the, said. Yeah. She was her last time she was going to ever have the opportunity to be there. And, yeah. And the conversation that they had, and she was quite witty, uh, throwing some zingers at him um, about who he married and, oh, you got married again, and is this one going to last? And then she asked for a hug, and he actually went off stage and went down, and they shut the microphones off. They had a moment together. That was one of my favorite moments. That is what I'm talking about when I talk about how the cast is. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I thought that, you know, because he, he... – he was such a great sport about it. I mean, the woman wasn't annoying. She wasn't asking some of the typical, you know, Trek convention questions that make us cringe at times. Like, which one's your favorite episode? Right. Um, you know, she <laughs> she was just hammering him, and it and I don't think she, it wasn't her intention. No. You know. No. Um, and he even made <laughs> a joke. It's like, you know, you sound like you could be in Blunt Talk, his new series, which <laughs> premieres this weekend on Stars. Uh, now, so I did that plug there without even. That was good. Yeah, they're not even yeah. customers of ours. That's why. That's why you're the professional, and I'm just the sidekick. You're the one who went to the school of broadcasting, my friend. That has nothing to do with being I'm able just, to think of the stuff quickly. I'm just a guy. It's just having a good voice, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't do good either. I'm just a guy with a microphone. <laughs> that's, uh... <laughs> so, uh, the one of the other things that I liked, and I'm sure this is going to make your list too, was when. Um, uh, LeVar Burton, Brent Spiner, and Jonathan oh. Frakes were on the stage together. Whenever Frakes, let me back up. Frakes is one of my all-time favorite convention guests. And that's because whenever he is on the stage, it is random chaos. Yes. Oh, God, it was so funny. He's he's taken the microphone and walked all the way to the back of the auditorium in years past. Mm -hmm. And just interacted with people, you know, doing whatever. He's goofy. Yeah. And oh. <laughs> when there's when they're all on stage together... It's even funnier, but <laughs> and it definitely whenever, for me it was a highlight. It was, and especially when the people they have questions from either side of the stage. And a couple times, a young person or or not young person would talk about how Riker was the favorite character. Well, he would pop right up out of his chair and hop right down the stairs to that person and just stand stand there and stare into their eyes as they kept talking. He he was hilarious. When he kind of hop up like Riker too, and not as Jonathan, <laughs> like little John Wayne. Yeah. He'd almost do that shoulder down walk that he did like seasons one and two until he yeah. realized, hey, wait, my shoulders are balanced. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, they are always, always enjoyable. Um, yeah. I never tire of those because they're always different, even though some of the questions may be the same. You know, Brent at times can seem a little sarcastic and that's not a knock on him. Nope. But I think that's just part of his convention shtick. Or maybe right. shtick's not the right word, but... That's part of how he is at conventions is he, he answers with a, a high degree of sarcasm to some, yeah. ex, some extent. And some people figure it out right away and others don't, and that's fine. 
But when the three of them are together, it's hilarious. And then Patrick came out toward the end. And, yes. and started kissing and people on the lips. But Brent. Yeah, on the lips. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it's it's good to see that even after twenty more than twenty five years being off the air, they still have that relationship. They don't get to get they don't get together as much as we may think they do. Um actually Patrick Stewart was talking about that when he was on Conan uh the other night. Yeah. Um that they don't get to they don't get to spend time like they used to when they were on set every day and, and it's very special for them. Uh, when they do get together. So they make the most of it and they have a great time. And it's definitely seeable uh, when they're on stage. Well, and if you watch the premiere of Blunt Talk this weekend, you will see a cameo from a very familiar face from that group. Um, okay. And it it's very enjoyable. It kind of makes you smile. And I can only hope that person shows up again. All right. I will I will check it out because I haven't checked it out yet. So uh, So, Dan, what else you got? I got one more thing that I wanted to bring up. And it's kind of a serious thing. Um. As everybody knows, we are big supporters of Star Trek Continues. Um, and one of the things that we did on Friday night, and we actually talked about this uh, on one of our mini podcasts, but I wanted to go a little bit more in detail to it, is on Friday night we went to a screening of The White Iris at the AMC Movie Theater uh, just outside the Strip in Vegas. Uh, the screening was at like 1130, so you got an hour um, of the episode, 45 minutes, and then there there was a Q&A. But one of the things I wanted to point out is uh, – Vic and his crew have always been very thankful for the people that help them produce and make these episodes. Everybody from the top level, executive, uh, assistant producers, all the way down to the the people behind the scenes, the caterers, everything like that. It's very important to him and uh, to the people that do the show. And I think that that really showed itself when the episode finished. As you may remember, um, the episode was on the big screen. We've seen it over a dozen times. The episode ends, and for those that have not seen it, I'll just say the very final scene, as with most episodes, is the Enterprise flying off to the next assignment. As soon as the Enterprise flew off, the sound and the video shut off. It's shut down, and the, the theater went dark. And we're all sitting there, and Bill and I are kind of looking at each other, and and all of a sudden, Vic grabs the microphone, and he goes, hey, 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 hey. I, I, I can't do it in Vic's voice because I, I want to be serious here. <laughs> but he goes, no, no, no. I want you to play the credits. I want everybody to see every name because that's why we're here. That, to me, was the defining moment of what Star Trek Continues is all about. I knew you were going to work in continue somehow. I just didn't know how yet. And that was a great moment. Um, that yes. was a big aspect of our trip, including the quest to get a cab after that event. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. What did we get back? A quarter to three that morning. Oh, yeah. It's amazing that there are 17,470,000 cabs in Vegas, but there are none when, as soon as you get outside of the strip. What's, well, that's the thing. So there's there are laws in Vegas where cabs can usually only pick up at hotels. You can't pick up and drop off on the strip. So they're all usually in line at hotels unless yeah. you they drop you someplace else, in which case they're heading right back to the strip to pick up another fare. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> but it was worth it to to be part of that, to see the great Q&A. They had a lot of the cast and crew up, uh, as we talked about in the mini-podcast. But that moment when he said, no, I want everyone to see every name because they're the ones that make this possible and make it as good as it is. I thought that was that was what we're talking about when we talk about our support for Star Trek Continues. 
Absolutely. And um, on Sunday night, we closed out with the Rat Pack concert, oh. which you had been wanting to see for quite a while. So yeah. did it meet your expectations? Did you enjoy the show? Tell me how you feel. It blew my ex- expectations away. And one of the reasons it did is because I didn't realize that I knew that all the people were going to be out there and that they were characters in Star Trek. I didn't know that they were going to take songs and turn them into Star Trek songs. I thought they were just going to be out there doing what James Darren did as Vic or as uh, as uh, Fontaine. Um, I I um was really thrown back when the the first song had lyrics to Star Trek. I didn't know that they were going to do that, so that made it even more fun. One of the highlights for me was Casey Biggs singing a Star Trekified <laughs> version of "That's Life," because um, I love that song. I've always loved that song. You know, whether it's Sinatra or even Michael Bublé does a version of it, but Casey's was pretty funny. I yeah, have to say, was... where he talks about having been a, a you know a Cardassian that killed Tukat's daughter. <laughs> um, you know, we have to give all kinds of props and credit to credit to Max Gradenchik, who writes all of that material. Yep. So, like he did with the Nog and Rom skit in Boston when we saw them at Trek Boss, and they did it again mm-hmm. this year at Vegas. Um, he apparently writes all those song parodies, from what I understand. And <laughs> I don't know if he locks himself in a room and comes up with this stuff, um, but they have fun doing it. And as a result, yeah. it's really fun for the fans. Well, um, uh, he must never sleep because <laughs> he's I mean, when you see him, I don't know if it's part of the act that he looks so disorganized when he's on stage, but it all comes together. Uh, one of my favorite ones was, uh, again, the cast has fun with themselves. They were dissing on Enterprise and the fact that the Zindi was the reason that the show got canceled. Yeah. I thought that was a great song. That was really good. Um, there were uh, some very um, – there was a very poignant moment when uh, Jeffrey Combs sang about the day that he heard that Leonard Nimoy had passed. I thought that was a very special moment. He wrote a song um, for Spock, which I thought was great. Uh, it was, it was a, it was a fun evening. It was a great way to close out the convention and I have no problems doing it again next year for the 50th, going there that night and watching it again. Absolutely. Although maybe we'll take a slightly later flight back. We might. And the other thing that I'm going to do, because I've seen a couple posted online is I, I'm really thinking I'm going to have to get a group photo with the Rat Pack. Yes. I, I, I noticed that, the, that it was available and I'm like, eh, I'm not really too interested in that. But then I've seen the pictures with all of them in tuxes and you in the center, I want to get one of those next year. If you're going to do that, you should wear a tux. I, I can do that. Or maybe I'll wear my cosplay outfit that I'm thinking of we're doing for next year. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that some. Because <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna wind up potentially not looking so good, and I don't know if I dig that. You're going to look fabulous. I, um, I've never engaged in cosplay at a convention. I mean, there was a time when 25 years ago I might have worn like a Starfleet uniform. Mm-hmm. And probably a next gen Starfleet uniform. Yeah. But because um, at one point I had one that a, um, a friend of mine had somebody make and he bought the patterns at a con. I think it was in Providence, Rhode Island. We went to when Michael Dorn was there back in the day. Um, in fact, I can tell you exactly when it was. It was the same weekend that the episode Night Terrors premiered because wow. he talked about how terrible that episode was. <laughs> <laughs> OK. <laughs> and. You know, um, my friend knew somebody that was a, you know, who, who sewed professionally. Um, and so the, the uniform was made out of sweatshirt material instead of wool. No, it made it much lighter. Oh, okay. The colors were a little more vibrant, but the only problem was it would beat up like sweatshirts do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, you know, we wore it for quite a while. It was made, you know, exactly as the pattern dictates, which was pretty cool. Um, but that was really the only, and I think I went to one or two conventions with that on. Yeah. Uh, and that was back in the day. These days, I don't, uh, I don't know that it would hold up well, uh, because oh, people would be like, "Oh, that's not screen ready." <laughs> <laughs> and yes. even I might be, "Oh, that's not screen ready." <laughs> yeah, but that was. Well, I got a couple ideas that we're going to bandy about over the course of the next several months, and uh, I'm going to try to talk you into something. I'm sure you idea. will. I'm sure yeah. you will. It's going to be great. You know, but there were so many people engaged in such oh. great cosplay i mean we talked a little yep. bit about it on the mini casts but there were people who made four and five costume changes a day yeah you know i i don't know how they do it um they must come with a, a completely separate piece of luggage for just their costume parts that's the only thing gonna, i can imagine and all of them I... you know from the simplest to the most elaborate everybody looked great yeah that's one of the things that i was thinking about is i'm gonna get that out there because what I'm thinking of is going to not be something that I don't know if you can fit in a suitcase. Right. But you get these people like that plant dude. I do have to make a correction, by the way. On one of the podcasts when we were out there, I talked about how one of the people dressed up as one of the little puppets from Cat's Paw. And I was thinking that, oh, nobody's going to ever do that. And right. then the next day, what I thought was that puppet creature was not. It was actually one of the plant alien life forms from the animated series. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Um, but, um, he won, uh, some, uh, something for the costume contest. It was the plant creature. You can't think of the name. Is that because you've never seen the animated series? Be honest. Oh, I've never, I, I have seen it, but the, probably the only time I've seen it was when it was really actually running on television. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I have it on DVDs and every time I go to watch it, I fall asleep. It's that good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, (laughs) it's not great. Well, I mean, there's good Star Trek at the heart of the animated series, let's be honest, because there are some great stories that are told. There are some not-so-great ones, but there are some really good stories. Unfortunately, it suffers from the animation and the fact that everybody recorded separately, so there's no warmth in the dialogue. You hear people reciting lines, and it doesn't feel engaging to me. So, I, I, don't, know. I don't know if I'll ever take the time to watch it, to be honest with you. I think that we should watch it, and I think that we should... Dissect it, okay. simply because at some point we have to. Okay, so Bill gives me an order. Um, I know, right? That never happens. <laughs> so, Dan, as we look forward to next year and the 50th anniversary convention, which as of this recording is 346 days away, not that around I'm counting. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Yep. What are you hoping to see as part of the 50th now that you've been to one? How, do you, how are you hoping they kick it up a notch? I want to see – we've heard a rumor, and I don't know how much this is this is true or not. We've heard a rumor that every living member of every series is going to be there next year. That's a lot of people. If they're able to put together that many people and get them on stage – I'm not talking about you know characters that are in one episode. I'm talking major cast members of every series. That would be cool to see. And I'd also love to see if they could somehow figure out a way to get all of them on stage at the same time for some kind of, you know, thank you moment or, or, or publicity picture or something like that. That would be really cool because we're talking a hundred, 150, 200 people. Well, I mean, if you count extended, you know, guest stars and semi regulars and all of that, 
they could very easily do a sort of end of convention curtain call with all of the regular series people. Yeah. That would be kind of cool to have all the next gen people standing together next to all the original series people next to the enterprise people next. That would be, that would be awesome. And they could never do that as a photo op because it would cost a thousand dollars. Yeah. And let's be honest, but that would be such a great moment for fans to be able to take a snapshot of all of the living series regulars um, from all of the series on one stage as sort of a a thank you. You know, we hope you enjoyed the 50th. That would be kind of neat. Be kind of reminiscent of the awesome closing scene in the final ep- Enterprise episode, where all the ships from the series kind of passed each other as as uh, the show ended. Awesome is typically not a word <laughs> I use to describe the final episode of Enterprise. I know that was totally in jest, but I thought you I thought you get a kick out of it. Yeah, at the end of the DS Nine Twenty panel a couple of years ago, they collected everybody there who had who was on Deep Space Nine, either as a regular or a semi regular, on the stage. Yeah, and they just stood on the edge of the stage and people in the audience were allowed to take photos. You could come up to the stage and they had one big massive photo op there for people to take photos of the cast. And I'll remember that for a long time as um, sort of a great love letter to the fans of sorts. And there were a lot of fans taking pictures, you know, DS nine kind of gets a, a rap as maybe the Jan Brady of, of star Trek series. It's kind of in the middle. It doesn't necessarily get the respect it deserves, but there were a lot of people, taking advantage yeah. of that photo op, and it was really kind of nice to see. I hope they do something along those kind of lines. Yeah, I'd also like to see them, and this is maybe, I don't think this will ever happen, but I think it would be great if they auctioned off for charity the ability for fans to introduce particular Star Trek celebrities at the convention. On the, uh, the stage itself? On the stage itself. Yeah. So have a you know a charity auction or whatever, and the money goes to you know any one of a number of specified charities that are predetermined, and people get to bid for the opportunity to introduce I don't know uh, Patrick Stewart or Denise mm-hmm. Crosby or um, maybe Jolene Blaylock yep. or Kate Mulgrew or yep. you know Walter Koenig anybody. You're gonna go through the whole list, man. I could. It's gonna so take a while. Time. <laughs> we don't. I don't know if we have that kind of time left in the podcast. We're running over right now. Yeah, that would. That's. That's. A, I think that's a great idea. But like you said, is creation going to do something like that? Uh, they like to have pretty good control over what they're doing there. They do, and I think it would be nice if they shook it up. Also, I mean, I want to see Five Year Mission return as the house band. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. So absolutely. We want everybody to tweet or email or write. Or post to the Creation Facebook page that you want Five Year Mission back as the house band in 2016 for the 50th anniversary convention. Um, Cy Fried was was decent; they were okay. Yep. But yep. you know, I I really would love to see Five Year back um, in the show uh, because it was yep. it was a completely different feel. It felt almost kind of like the longest running late night talk show of all time with yep. them as the house band. Yeah. Because, you know, their music kicked in at just the right moments and it helped pr- provide coverage to some of those gaps. There were more gaps of silence this year. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably because the communication between creation and the band probably was not in sync, as we've heard in the past. Right. But I would love it if Five Year Mission returned to the stage next year. So for all of you, please, please tweet creation, write creation. Let's get Five Year Mission back next year. That's what I think. I Yep, I think that it should be a a goal that we should plug every time that we're on the uh, on the airwaves. Every podcast, so at the end, we'll throw that in there when we thank them for letting uh, them use our their music. 
Well, speaking of the end, we've come to <laughs> the end of this particular episode. Um, we do have some special things coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll be happy to tell you about those once they happen, because some of them are pretty neat. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Um, but for now, Dan, why don't we wrap this one up, and um, why don't you tell folks how they can get in touch with us to maybe suggest future ideas? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we always love to hear those ideas. Uh, you can reach us in a multitude of ways. Uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, our handle is TrekGeeks. Uh, you can send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com, or you can give us a call at 508-784-1701. Uh, if you want to send us some individual tweets, Bill's handle is at trekgeekbill, and my handle is at dcdds9. In addition, Bill, I'm going to let you take the next section here uh, to talk about something special that we're doing, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with a couple of uh, quick comments. Yes, and we're very excited to announce this. Um, this. Dan lobbied me for this for quite a while. So, <laughs> and I finally said, okay, okay. Wow. I know, I know. I was the stick in the mud, and I'm happy to admit it and give you all the credit you deserve. But wow. we finally now have an official Facebook group for Trek Geeks, and we've called it Camp Kittimer. Um, you're welcome to share things you love about Trek, you know, engage in conversation. If you have content that you generate online, whether it's a podcast or a video blog or, you know, perhaps you're into doing digital art um, or maybe you even make your own videos, um, you know, of, of fan episodes, we would love for it to be posted there. It's an all-welcoming group. Fans of all incarnations of Star Trek are welcome, whether it's the original series or Enterprise or Voyager or even J.J. Trek. This is a community where people can come together and just enjoy their love of Trek because everybody is a fan of some facet of it. So you may even make some new friends while you're there, and we've already made a couple. So um, to join the group, go to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and we'll let you right in. Um, and please share it with all of your friends, too. But it's if you search for Camp Kittimer on Facebook, you'll find it. Um, it we we hope you all take advantage of it and join us there. We think it'll be a lot of fun. And from time to time, we'll even uh, ask questions that will lead to content on the podcast. So, um, yep. Camp Kittimer, please uh, yep, Camp- beam on in. Absolutely. And uh, we also want to throw a special thank you out uh, to the folks who uh, we have reached out to to help us uh, be admins uh, of Camp Kittimer. Uh, our very good friend, Heather, uh, who we met at the convention finally. Uh, Jackie and also Dan have... Um, graciously offer their time to uh to watch over the site there are rules associated with the site it's kind of a pg-13 you know we don't want anything too extreme over there so uh remember it is star trek and we want everybody to uh to keep it clean so to speak but i will right now say anybody who wants to do some fark memes fark is not impressed <laughs> throw them up there because if you've seen it the last week on facebook with fark is not impressed memes they have been some real there have been some real good ones and we want them on our page as well so, yes, please share your content, share your thoughts, share what you love about Trek, but please just come and join us. We hope it's a great deal of fun. And that places a wrap on episode 28, Dan. That one went by pretty quick. I've got one other thing I want to say. Uh, that's too bad. Well, it's very important. Speaking of FARC. What is it? We want to thank Five Year Mission, <laughs> as we always do, for allowing them, or allowing us, allowing to them, play their yeah. awesome music. <laughs> Allowing them to be on our show. That's that's right. We appreciate that uh, we can use their awesome music. Spock's brain is available, as we all know. We got to talk with the group uh, while we were out in Vegas, and they say that Spock's brain is doing very well, uh, and we look forward to their next uh, release. And we hope to have them on the show again sometime in the near future. 
if Five Year Mission is playing in your area, please get out there and see them. It's such a it's such a fun show. Their music is fantastic, to use Dan's word, and uh, and you'll love it. I, we promise. But for now, uh, definitely FiveYearMission.net. Get out there and get Spock's Brain and all of their other albums too. Um, let's show them some love. So for now, that does it for episode twenty eight of the Trek Geeks podcast. We'll be back next week with 29 and until then we hope you all live long and prosper Fark is not impressed coconut really that's like that was a pretty weak coconut coconut How are you? I'm uh I'm here. Yeah. Not entirely okay. awake, but I'm here. All right. All right. Late night. Had a little bit of a late night, but it was fun. Yeah, what'd you do? We just we just we just chilled. We got an empty house finally. And uh we just chilled out, had an awesome steak dinner and uh with uh corn on the cob and then we watched um uh my god, I can't remember what we watched. Good Lord. Um, oh, my God. I've got, like, Alzheimer's or something. I can't riveting. remember anything lately. This is riveting. Yeah. It's, um, my God. We actually had, she she picked four movies when I went upstairs, five movies. Put them all behind her back. I didn't know what they were. And then I would pick a number, and she would take that one from behind her back and put it on the table, and it would be canceled out of the list. Star Trek was one of them, the JJ number one, so I was kind of bummed. Um, the Mummy, uh, a couple other ones, and the one that we had left to watch was, honey, what movie did we watch last night? I completely cannot remember. Van Helsing. Van Helsing, thank you. Van Helsing, wake up. I'm sorry, did you I... say something? <laughs> completely, like, I would have sat there for 20 minutes. I wouldn't have been able to tell you what it was. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. Well, it's it's been so long since we've done this that. I know. I, when was the last time we did this? Uh, the last time we did a regular one, yeah, because it was before Alec. this, it was the, uh, it was the geek, the stump episode. And that was all wacky doodle. It was the end of July. Really? July 26th was the last Alec Peters episode. My God. My God. So we probably did it on like the 23rd, 24th, maybe. Yeah, probably. That's amazing. That's amazing. So it's almost, almost a month. Almost a month. Yeah. That's almost a month. I hope I remember how to do this. I'm sure you'll do fine, sir. I don't know. I'm nervous. Yeah, you probably should be nervous. One thing we should probably talk about. Uh, <laughs> we never did a day four wrap up. Well, that's part of what this episode's going to be. I wanted to make sure. Okay. I've been saying all along, this is going to be an STLV wrap up episode. Do you not pay attention? Well, I took uh, that. Uh, I did pay attention. Uh, I took that uh, as uh, a giant uh, wrap up of about, the whole thing. Th- that's Well, yeah, it is. We're going to wrap up the topic. Of STLV. What part of wrap-up was hard to understand? The part where I wrap you in the head with a wrench? If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. What?
What's that from? What awesome form of logic is that from? Have you never seen Dodgeball? No. I'm not a what? huge Stiller fan. Uh, uh, so you haven't seen Step Brothers? I have not seen Step Brothers. You haven't seen Dodgeball, which is at least a decade Dodgeball. old at this point. I haven't seen Office Space. You, oh, thank you for adding more fuel to the fire for me. <laughs> You've not seen Office Space. What? Uh, ah, ah. And here's the funny thing. I worked in a video store for like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> and you love comedy. Yeah. Well, I'm here with you, aren't I? Boom. Boom. Thank you, people. No, please. No, no tips. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll be, I'll be behind the desk signing autographs later. Appreciate it. 